Welcome to today's episode of On the Rocks. Today as our guest, we have Chris Summers, the CEO of Burgix. Chris has evolved at Burgix from senior analyst to leading the company through its initial growth stage as CFO to now leading as CEO. Prior to Burgix, Chris spent time at Rio Tinto and was among those responsible for the valuation of some of the world's largest known mineral deposits. Today, you'll hear us chat about the importance of an often overlooked mineral class, aggregates. They're one of the most consumed minerals and also one that is dramatically impacted by nimbyism or not in my backyard, which is a really important discussion because aggregates are so critical to construction and urban development and their proximity to construction has such an impact on their carbon footprint. I'm excited for you to hear about Mineralocity as well, Burgex's digital aggregate mapping solution, as well as what Chris and Burgex are doing to reach out to students and young people about our industry. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to support On The Rocks, please don't forget to click follow in your podcast app and leave us a review. It really helps. With that, pour a glass or a cup or a mug of your favorite drink, and let's dive in. Well, Chris, thanks so much for joining me on the rocks today. What are what are you drinking today? <laughs> I decided to go local. So Emily, I'm I'm here in Salt Lake City and just up this up the hill from us is Park City and, and there's the high west distillery up there i'm drinking their uh bourbon blend today there how about yourself well, today i've got um four roses a classic um i know a lot of folks are probably familiar with that it was a gift from my friend fippa song so if she's listening a shout out um to Fippa, who's very now more about the mining industry this year that was one of her goals so she and i've been having a lot of conversations about mining investing so perfect fit podcasts yeah yeah a lot to learn isn't it oh my gosh yeah and i think that's where it's great when folks make a point of wanting to learn about the industry first before they kind of jump all in as i'm sure you'd agree because there's so much technical information and different aspects of risk in the industry yeah yeah look we we kind of run on three main pillars one of them being education right we need to we need to educate the community the kids we're, we're doing a lot of fourth grade stuff right now with the, with kids with the Utah Lighting Association. Wow, so that, that's, that's, that's fun. That is uh, getting in that early. Yeah. Yeah. We figure get in early and, and then just the general public as well, get them educated on how important the industry industry is really. No, I, I have a seven year old daughter and I say there's, there's gotta be a way to get more of the industry into elementary school because her friends at her age group, they all love rocks and stones. Yeah. and digging everything up right and um and then somehow we sort of tend to lose that i think as kids start to maybe study more about like biology and chemistry as they go through school and it ain't keeping them excited about uh geology and engineering and what we do in the industry is so important um and they they do love it like it's not they enjoy the material right oh it's amazing yeah rocks are cool right and it's absolutely especially <laughs> when they like mash them you know it's like yeah. breaking up dissolving them and stuff and uh yeah and we talk a lot about the the dinosaur record and how that how you understand that based off of geology that always gets a lot of them going anytime the dinosaurs get involved yeah yeah i've got a little granddaughter that she's so into dinosaurs right now it's amazing it's like one of her favorite words now she just looks around and says dinosaur dinosaur like it's like fact that they can remember all of the different dinosaurs yeah right? i'm like we even yeah. know yeah how they how they get that Exactly. Well, I mean, that's a great way to kind of open it up with, I'd, I'd love to for you to share with our listeners a little bit of, you know, what you do, but really your why, because you guys have a really great why you're, you're in the business and what you're doing. 
Yeah, I've been in the in the business for a while and really became passionate about it as a kid. You know, again with rocks. Right? Yeah, and and loved it. And then I also had this thing where I was also very conscious about human impact on on right. on nature in our environment. Right. So it turns out that I ended up in the right business because our why is is kind of this is is we believe in a, a stronger, more sustainable future. Right. Okay. And in order to achieve that, um, we use education, advocacy, and you know, uh, supporting responsible mining exploration projects to bring that about. Um, right. So that, that's that's really why we're here. There's so many stories and and so many people just take it for granted that the things they consume on a daily basis um, are just there, right? And and the other piece of it is is really being more kind of North American. We're we're U.S. so U.S. Um, independent, right? We okay. believe it becoming more and more of an issue, and uh, we're passionate about it. So it's it's education from from the kids up through you know the the old timers like me, um, helping <laughs> people understand how important it is. Yeah, and I think that's actually it's it's a global theme as much as that sounds funny to focus on the local sources of right. minerals and that right. We're kind of seeing that globally at least um, communities. Yeah becoming more aware of where material comes from and, and what that means for their local environment or reliance on on global trends, for sure. And I think one uh, thing that I find really unique is what you talk about when it comes to aggregates and how that played in, because, you know, in reality, it's probably, other than, you know, finished metal products, it's probably like the mineral uh, resource or material that people interact with the most on a daily today basis, right? But probably don't think about as being mined. Yeah, it's it's kind of that, you know, the the offs the the mining part that's off to the side, right? It doesn't get talked about much. It doesn't get recognized, but it is by far and away the most mined materials and the most consumed materials in the world. Right. You, know, you can go back to to ancient days and. In the pyramids and even ancient Rome and every 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 civilization is really dependent on rocks to uh, <laughs> to to whether it be transportation or housing, shelter, whatever it might be, tools. Uh, rocks have been been more important than just about anything else. So, um, so we do focus quite a bit on, on construction aggregates. About half of our business is focused on aggregates, and it's uh, yep, yeah, it's, it's it's vital to help people understand how important it is. And for our listeners who, who might not be familiar, I should have asked you too, can you just explain kind of what aggregate is and how it's used? Because I, I should that everybody knows what that means. Yeah, so construction aggregate is primarily crushed stone, sand, and gravel. Mm -hmm. um, it can be, then it, then next steps are into uh, cements, asphalt, ready mix, and so on. It's really the basic building material. So, whether it be roads, buildings, schools, airports, sewer systems, um, any anything we drive or walk on really or needs a shelter is very aggregate dependent. So those are the three main categories, crushed stone, sand, and gravel. And how, uh, like if you were to compare aggregate to other minerals, like how is it different when you're doing mapping and exploration and development of an aggregate mm -hmm. resource from a you know, gold or copper or something like that. Yeah. And there's a lot of similarities, but there's definitely differences as well. Um, aggregate, the process is quite simple, generally speaking. Um, make 
little rocks out of big rocks, right? That's, that's <laughs> yeah. really what it is. And but they, the the geology is important, right? Not right. just any rock will work for for DOT Department of Transportation mm -hmm. specs for roads or whatever it be, or make good cement. Um, yeah, you know, there's there's different tests that everything goes through, and you and you still yes, you still have to find a resource. It's not everywhere. Okay. Um, you have to test it up and and prove it out, and so it's it's still um, locate, drill, study, and then again, if it's crushed stone, you know it's it's drill, blast, load, crush, very similar to traditional metals mining. So um, sand and gravel, obviously a little bit different. You don't have the blast factor and a lot of that's done with loaders and uh, or dredges in areas and, of water. Yep. And is it the same from like a permitting and environmental concern standpoint, go through very similar process when you're assessing, like you said, any environmental yeah. impact or human impact? Yeah, very much so. Very hmm. much so. Every operation goes through the same screenings for uh, endangered species. Uh, you know, as far as water interactions with water. Um, so yeah, it's, it's the same process. It's you know, no matter if it's metals mining or iron, it's it's similar impact on. on oh, I, I honestly would have thought that there would be. I don't know why I thought this, but I would have thought that there would be kind of like a lower standard because I just think of it as so much more ubiquitous and kind of the, the, the same yeah the only yeah. thing you don't really run into is issues with leaching and so mm. on might happen right so but as far as impacting the environment it's very similar it's home to to a high standard as well and so what what led you all to to put mineralocity together I and mean, maybe you could explain a little bit about what that is yeah mineralocity has kind of been our our project for years. Um, what it is, is it's an online tool where we've mapped over 7,300 construction aggregate producers across the 48 contigu contiguous U.S. states. Um, not only have we mapped them, but we brought in geology, we brought in things like uh, the property itself, parcel data. We understand, we have a good understanding of where something could get permitted for, for where a might not be able to get permitted. So it really brings all these factors together and says, where's a good place for greenfield development? Right. So also very useful for uh, M&A. We do a lot of market analysis and so on. So that's basically the genesis of it is, is we use GIS to do our market analytics for our clients. Right. Um, Iron is a, is, a, is a different beast. The biggest difference is obviously the value um, right. from most minerals, right? I mean, you're talking... 10 to $20 a ton versus, you know, thousands an ounce. So, um, right. so the biggest factor is location um, right. and transportation because it costs so much to move such low value material. And that's right. where mineralocity came from. It was trying to figure out how in the world to, to source these big construction projects with construction materials without, you know, having to truck it too far away. So, um, that's where that's where it started, and now it's uh, it's out there for anybody who wants to see it. It's 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 pretty awesome. We're in, we're in the process of mapping out some of the existing uh, other mines as well, other minerals. Oh, so. It's it's a really cool tool, and has, of course, running prospector. I love anything that shows yeah. <laughs> resources on stats and stuff. Um, yeah, and and so I wonder, and that makes so much sense because the closer to home to a large construction project, you can get that material, the lower cost, but also 
the lower you lower the environmental footprint, right? I mean, if Absolutely. you're using less um, transportation essentially to move that volume of material, so do, does that resonate with communities, or do you have some of the same not in my backyard problems that other other types of mining groups have with aggregate, or do folks want it close by? No, nobody wants it close to them. The, the biggest factor is noise, right? Blasting and so yeah. on, and it just. Um, mm. People don't want the dust, and and I'll use Salt Lake City as, as an example. That's where I'm from. Um, for example, Granite Construction, one of the large aggregate producers and construction companies, is trying to get to uh, quarry permitted up what's called Parley's Canyon here. It's, it's the canyon you take from Salt Lake City up to Park City, mm. and it's fierce, fierce op- opposition. Um, and 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 the problem is, is it's, it's it's a perfect location from an environmental standpoint in that it's just a perfect hub. It's, it's right off Interstate 80 and can feed Salt Lake Valley um, very well. And, and and the story about Salt Lake is this, it's, it's we have some good geology and some good aggregate production, but a lot of our resources here are coming to end of life. They're being right. depleted rapidly. Salt Lake is this big net importer of, of population right now. It's going crazy and, and we need aggregate desperately. Right. Permitting and and the NIMBY folks make it very difficult for it to happen. Uh, I'm all about responsibility, responsible mining, and doing the right thing. And part of the right thing is that you touched on is from an environmental standpoint. Aggregates heavy and trucks are noisy and, and burn a lot of fuel, a lot of emissions. And so the farther away these resources are that are being mined from actual construction projects, um, the worse the carbon footprint is. So. Um, it's and not only that, but wear and tear on the roads is significant. Would... Have to get out there and pave more and and so on. So, really, it's about reducing the carbon footprint and mm-hmm. using construction costs. I don't know about there in Florida, but the prices over the past five years have more than doubled for pumps. It's just it's it's really hard to afford when a lot of the, a lot of the issue is the construction materials are getting so expensive. And so, what do you where do you think that comes from the nimbyism is it a lack of understanding or is it just like yeah i want all those great things i want to lower the carbon footprint i just don't want to have dust and noise in my in my area is that really what it what it kind of comes down to yeah i think so and and again that goes back to education right i think people just take things like aggregate for granted Mm -hmm. we don't understand how much of it we need and that it's a it's a finite resource yeah so it is. We can't move geology. It is where it is. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Wish we could. And and there's some right. good stuff going on as far as recycling goes. Really good. Right. We've got a client that's big into recycling aggregate right now. It's fantastic, and we're helping right. them find markets for it. Um, and and there's some synthetic stuff and so on. And and the good thing is there's there's clean cement, kiln-free cement coming out that's going to be really helpful for the environment as well. But back to nimbyism, it's it's, it's yeah, people still want it in their backyard. They don't they they, they want to have the comforts that it brings, but not uh, not see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So what does you know as you're educating people about how it can be done responsibly and mitigate that as much as possible? What what does right look like with an aggregate well, project? Like when you are doing as much as possible to reduce noise and dust, like. What should somebody be looking for to say, like, okay, it may not be exactly what I want, but 
but you know this is this is a really well run project they're doing everything they can to mitigate mm-hmm. the impact yeah i mean it's it's like traditional mining as well i mean having it, you know good water dust suppression systems is, mm-hmm. is really important bag houses and, and so on to keep to keep dust down um but outside of that it's you know it's, it's really difficult because there is drill blast you know it is noisy it, it is messy quieter up quietly or <laughs> yeah and the plants the plants are are noisy right you get huge crushers right, that, are, right. that are crushing rock and it's just it's, it's, it's noisy but to do it right is is basically to ensure right you're not impacting any near water sources right, right? there's no discharge um hopefully fenced and uh really really similar as, as, as any mining right it's, it's just minimize your impact minimize the impact on, on the on the surrounding so yeah no that's yeah i would i do i find it such a challenge because to me mines and processing plants are really cool you know yeah. so like i if you admit you know i can certainly empathize with folks who don't want to live next door to one for the reasons you highlighted but it's like i just I wish more people saw all those episodes of Mr. Rogers when he would do like tours of processing right. and stuff. I think part of it is we've almost lost a fascination with how stuff is made and where yep. it comes from in general, right? And appreciating um, really how amazing it is that we as a human species have figured out how to like pull rock out of the ground, crush it up and do all this crazy stuff to it to make it into what we use every day, right? I mean, that. Right. Again, yeah. going back to kids, like kids find that that fascinating, you know. I mean, oh, that man, that's amazing. But, yeah. yeah, I totally geek out like in, in plants and so on. I'd be like, wow, yeah. imagine this seeing a float circuit or something like that, yeah. and and just just picturing in your mind the processes and the details and the technology, everything. I mean, it, as you're talking about nimbyism, right? I'm, I'm looking out my window now and I see Rio Tinto's Kennecott, big mm-hmm. and massive. Yeah of copper mine we can fit and I, I see it right here and we can coexist right we've proven it yeah. here that metro mining is possible right, right. It, it can happen is and luckily this you know being a canyon has been mined for 100 and pushy 120 years now yeah. uh, so it, it's it's not going anywhere right so but it's, it's a great example if we could if we could help people understand that yeah, and there's some dust and, and so on and so forth and big machinery, but, but it's possible and you know, it's this very efficient operation. Yeah, we it's almost like we've gotta we've gotta get folks from where like everybody drink Jack Daniels whiskey. Yeah. And now everybody wants micro Right, <laughs> like, right, right. Right, like <laughs> you know, no. micro beer, you know, like let's get almost hyper local with it and understand where the stuff is coming from in your community and embrace that, right? Embrace Thanks. kind of more um, tangible manufacturing side of what it takes to, to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how the the liquor companies and the breweries manage it, but they made breweries cool, right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. And in coffee shops, right? Yep. Same. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. Yeah. Made it a, made it an experience. So maybe we need like really good breweries inside of the mining well, I don't know. I don't know, Emily. I was. It reminds me of when I was in Mongolia when I was working for Rio Tinto, mm-hmm. um, very early stage of Oyu Togoi. Uh, and, uh, it was amazing. They had in the mining in the camp. They had a bar, 
It oh. was open only for a couple hours, right, right. a day. But all the Chinese and Mongolians that were working there would always hit the bar and grab a bunch of six packs of beer and then stack them on yeah. their table so they could get stocked up. And I don't know right. if we need that going on in my no. <laughs> counter to safety culture, absolutely. Yeah. But, no, um, yeah. So we'll It was it was an interesting interesting yeah, setup. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that because you've also been part of some of the biggest projects globally. You must have some great stories. Yeah, I, so what I did a lot of the work I did for Rio Tinto was on the business analysis side. Okay. So what we did is, is I did a lot of valuation work on whether it be new potential mining operations or expansion scenarios. Um, you know, I'd spent a lot of time in front of the, the investment committees talking okay. you know, talk about where we should be allocating capital. Yeah. Um, so I was a big part of, of Uyutolboy, um in the very early stages when okay. we were negotiating with, with Ivanhoe on that one. Um, but I've also done valuation work on resolution, for example, mm-hmm. a lot of scenario analysis at, uh, at Bingham Canyon, Eagle Line, which is, mm-hmm. which is kind of wrapping down now, which, which reminds me of another great story, which is in Minnesota with, with Nickel, right? That, that needs some attention as well. It's they're facing a battle there, but it's so vital. It's so yeah. important. Um, yeah. night in, in Idaho, it's so important. It's, it's. It's amazing that that it is so difficult to get the message across because yeah. people like you and me just we we get it. Yeah, and I, I I mean we talk a lot about that on the podcast, but also you know, um, you know, anytime I'm at conferences and you know, I mean you and I bump into each other at, at I'm all over the world and stuff. It's I, I do I'm joking of course about the bar at the the mining of course, site of like. But we've got to figure out a way to get out of our bubble, right, where mm-hmm. everybody gets it, and pull people into our world and go out more into the the non-mining world. Because I do think we've got to get past just kind of lecturing people that if it can't be grown, it must be mined. Like, I, right? I mean, it's, it is it is more about that, um, hey, like, if you're a community and you're supporting a critical mineral or any type of mineral development project, by supporting that, what are you helping to bring into the world and making possible, right? That bigger story of what uh, of what we're doing, and I think it's, it's certainly something I know you and I are both passionate about. But it's yeah. it is hard because it's like, where do you, you know, how do you how do you message it? How do you get it out there? Yeah, how do you? I mean, people need to kind of taste it and feel it, right? Yeah. Really, really understand it, and that's one of the things we're trying to do. It's just it's just the audience is so big and diverse. What's the message? Yeah. Right. Yeah. How the message vert to a financial investor in versus a farmer versus a, a teenager versus you know it, it's just such a diverse audience. It's like how do you focus yeah. the message? I mean, take your whiskey example. That's that's a small a small audience, right? Yeah. They could focus on whiskey drinkers. Right. Trying to focus on all of humanity and trying to make it work, and it's just it's hard. But I think that's where I, somebody pointed out to me that, you know, the oil and gas industry has a better perception globally right. or, you know, people perceive that as as being better than mining globally. And why is that? And they made the point that because most people put gas in their car at least once a week. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a very tangible reminder of, OK, there are these risks. There are these negative, you know, it's an extractive industry, so it has risks and everything. But here's what it allows me to do. It allows yeah. me to 
my kids to school and go to my job and go to the grocery store. Right. And I think that's the part where, um, yeah, making people, like you said, feel more connected uh, to it somehow, which again is why you would think like something like aggregate people should get that. You think they'd understand, um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's hard to, to make that connection. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. But I think we're up, we're up to the challenge. It's yeah. Take some time. And I think the other part about it is is just the history of mining, right? We didn't know a lot back in the day about sure. how we were impacting the environment and, and so on. And and we've learned a lot. And yeah. I guess one of the big messages we need to get across is now with technology we have, you know, we, it would be impossible to run a mine without doing it responsibly now, at least in the right. U.S. In the U.S., Right. Um, and, and that message needs to come across. This is, this isn't the 1920s yeah. or even the fifties and so on. Right. This is, this is 2023. We know what we're talking about now. We know yeah. we, we've invested a whole lot of time, money and energy into developing technologies where we really can minimize the impact. And I also think that the, the, the gap that I try to talk about with folks is the perception of who is in the industry as well. We're Wait. relating person to person, you know, I mean, I studied geology because I love to be outside. Yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, that's what led me from, I don't know why I thought I wanted to be a physics major, but that did not. I was like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> so, you know, it was like, or I could be outside running around, you know, in my case, on the coast to Maine, playing yeah. rocks, right? And incorporating things like biology and chemistry and physics into everything I do. And most folks that work in geology and mining are passionate about the outdoors. That's right. I think that's the other part that might surprise most folks is like, yeah, we we really value um, outdoor spaces and protecting the environment because that's part of what drew us into the industry. Yeah, Um, that's right. That's right. It's it's a very good point. I mean, some of the most passionate people I know about the environment are in the industry. We love it. Yeah. We do that's that's like you said it it drove us to the career so um, another point i think we need to think about is is who's spreading the message right okay. I, th- I think for a lot of long time miners and large mining companies have been just kind of quiet because they fear yeah. they have a very low profile then there's been little risk of you know anything. yeah but now we need the people of the industry that's used to being just quiet and right. quietly go about our thing. Now we need them to speak up, right? right? Now we need them to join the rest of us, us little guys, into getting the right message across. And it's hard. I mean, there's, there's all the talk of ESG and, and everything like that, which is all fantastic stuff. But it, the fundamental need for the industry needs to be talked about more. And and they've got big voice. Let's let's use it. Yeah, and it's a great story. That's the other thing that I say, like. Anybody who's ever been to like a mining industry event or cocktail party, I'm going to tell you, characters, we've got (laughs) (laughs) a lot of adventures, right? I mean, as an industry, we work all over the world in some of the most unique places on the planet and locally um, doing really cool stuff, a lot of which is cutting edge. Um, And so we've got great stories to tell. And I I personally, I, I think you and I agree on this, a big part of what I think is you know, we just have to tell the story. Don't just quote stats and figures, right? People don't connect with that, but tell the story, get people out who are good storytellers as well. Right. right. You know? Yeah. We don't need to preach. That's, that's yeah. not what people are looking for. Absolutely. 
And that's the other side of it that this scares me is, so what if we can ramp up mineral production in the U.S., right? Who's going to do it? Because, yeah. right, there's no, uh, the, the numbers of mining engineers are dropping. And I, I heard the stat, I don't, I, I'm not sure of it, but I was told that in 2022, all of Australia graduated four mining yeah. engineers. I know, isn't that crazy? I just don't know how, and that's why we're, that's why we're working with fourth graders now with the Utah Mining Association is to try to just stimulate some of that early on, right? But it's, it's, uh, I mean, mining, it's one of the best paying industries out there. I mean, it's fantastic. And but but, but people have to wait until they have a degree in order to really find that out, right? It's that earlier age, right? That people start, start talking with their parents in middle school. Right, yeah. about what they want to do, what kind of classes they want to take in high school and where they want to go to school or vocational school, right, even to, yeah. to work in the industry in various ways. So we, yeah, it's got to be, like you said, fourth grade. I, yep. I think that's on. Yeah, and, and for folks who maybe aren't, are like, why is that so important that Australia only graduated fourth? For folks who, who don't know, Australia is one of the largest right. Right. countries Absolutely. in the world. So... I, I wonder how many we graduated here in the U.S. Actually, I'd like to a big interest in stat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because again, even when it comes to NIMBYism, the the point I try to talk about with folks is if we don't do it in our country, where we do have stringent permitting, environmental, social standards, it pushes it to countries that have less structure and and lower ability to enforce those responsible mining principles. Yeah. Um, so if you are outside of just your your own kind of neighborhood concerns, if you're concerned about the world as a whole with things like um, environmental degradation, deforestation, child labor, conflict funding through mineral smuggling, if you're concerned about those things, you don't want to be pushing the supply of all of this mineral demand into countries that can't enforce responsible principles, right? You should want it close to home so you can drive past that mine and see exactly what's going on or show up at your town council meeting, make your your opinion known, right? You should want to be able to actively participate in what's going on so you can make sure it's being done at the highest levels. Yeah, it happens with, with other industries, right? You look at clothing, fashion, and apparel, right? The supply chain really gets looked at very closely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's all kinds of supply chain audits and making sure tier one suppliers especially are, are doing things right. And then, then it's really getting down and like, like take Patagonia, for example, they're amazing that way. Mm-hmm. That they make sure all of the product is sourced from good practices, right? That for some yeah. reason in mining, uh, it doesn't really seem to happen if it's, as well. So that, that supply chain needs to be really, really make sure it's just clean because and how many people have died? I, I don't know if you saw the, the video on on LinkedIn not long ago, but the, the collapsing mine in DRC and literally mm-hmm. trying to get people out. I mean, it's, it's a daily occurrence. Almost. It's, right. just, it's just sad. Yeah, and I think that's where one thing I'm really encouraged by, I'm sure it'll be disruptive in many ways, but starting to see big manufacturing companies begin to vertically integrate um, like the auto manufacturers focusing on yeah. battery minerals in particular, but also starting to look outside of that at things like copper and uh, things that folks wouldn't necessarily expect. I think that's really important because 
even if they're just investing in the companies that are going to be bringing those assets online, I think having that larger supply chain and business perspective on, yeah, like if you're buying a vehicle and you want to know where the lithium came from that went into that battery, or maybe you don't really care, you don't really want to know, <laughs> but yeah. you're buying a, an electric vehicle because you care about carbon footprint in general, that should make you feel good to know that that company has done the diligence to know where the raw materials come from. Yeah. And I think we're making some some progress, right? I think, you know, even the current administration is 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 understanding, at least talking the talk, right? And and people are starting to understand with this big move to electrification of just about everything. Mm-hmm. It's starting to happen, but we just need to accelerate, accelerate the, the message somehow, some way. I don't know. Um, but... I'm confident, you know, we've, the human race has come a long ways and we keep advancing and, and we'll, we'll figure it out. It's just going to take a, you know, a concerted effort. And well, on that kind of looking towards the future and, and what you all are doing every day, what's some new cool stuff that you see going on? Some, some innovation or, or stuff that, that folks are playing around with really change how, how the industry works or how your clients are doing things. Is there anything really neat going on as far as what we're doing one of the funnest things we do is it's really cool because we do have a, a good field team that is just adventure mm-hmm. right yeah then and, and one of the things out here in the west is there's a lot of old existing mine workings um yeah. that still had a lot of potential right to to be opened up i mean back in the in the day um, we have the technologies we do now so one of the things we're doing now is helping companies and exploration companies design drill programs we do is we have a handheld LIDAR uh, mm-hmm. scan then we take that underground and map out all the underground workings and we'll lay out aeroplanes on the surface and mm. we'll we'll fly that with the drone and so yeah. we tie it all together and what we end up with is a really great 3D model of the surface and underground workings and you can really you know build an exploration program from there so that's that's cool it's just a lot of fun and just watching the guys just build it and stuff and they get so excited it's just it's it's it's, it's fun it's fun and that's what this this industry is and there's a lot of great people it's it's fun it's fun transitioning something from what you know mother nature has given us into the things we rely on on a day-to-day basis it's it's, it's a blast yeah i always just tell i'm always like you know just imagine like how many thousands of years ago i guess it would have been that somebody picked up a rock and figured out if they like (laughs) melted it down and did all yeah. these other things that they would get this shiny stuff you know it's like it's just amazing really when you think back on on how far it's come and what people are coming up with now i mean i know that there's a lot of sensitivity around you know kind of the more futuristic stuff like you know deep sea mining space mining but when you look at the science that and the engineering innovation that goes into working through those problem sets right and and how even just that we might apply to to more typical mining and what tools we might be using. I mean, who would have thought really like 20 years ago that you'd be able to do a handheld LIDAR scan, right? <laughs> right. It was it was military technology, right? Yeah. LIDAR and stuff was incredibly expensive and hard to use in drones. Now how ubiquitous they are in the industry and how many ways we use it. So it's really fun for me to think about what, what we're learning now that in five to 10 years, we won't even we won't even kind of have thought about what kind of stuff we'll be doing. Oh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. And, and I mean, we're really just at the very, 
you know, cusp of what AI is going to do. It's, yeah. It's, uh, it blows my mind to even think about where mm-hmm. we are today with, with the new tools, right? It, it, where are we going? It's just, it's exciting and frightening and exhilarating <laughs> everything all at once. And yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a wild ride. Yeah, we do. Of course, at, at Prospector, we use what we call human-centered AI, right? Yeah. Uh, build human-centered AI tools. And, and what we love to focus on is getting people from data to decisions faster with AI, uh, which even in that space, even not looking in the predictive end of things or, you know, chat GPT, all these things. It's it's yeah. just amazing how much more ground you can cover, pun intended, with yeah. the yeah. tools and how much more accurate you can be. Right. I mean, I think that's the other part is you can really start to assess risk so much better and develop much better plans um, with this kind of technology because you could just incorporate so much more data. That's right. That's right. And I still need to spend some more time with Prospector. I'm so intrigued. It's, it's, it looks like the most amazing tool, right? And, and, not, not a, that wasn't, yeah, not a not a product plug on the podcast, but yeah, no, 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 but, but it's not a product plug. It's just it's just cool. I mean, yeah. it's like we're talking about, right? It's it's cool stuff. Yeah, and I think that's where, again, as we evolve as an industry and as people identify challenges, like that's the other thing that I think is great about getting out into communities and talking with people outside of mining. Because one thing I'm always asking is like, how can we take a a Tesla investor and make them a lithium or a copper investor, right? What mm-hmm. is it that stops somebody from buying into the junior mining space, right? Or the mining space at all, investing in that the same way they invest in other high-tech industries that maybe they don't understand all the details of, but they see yeah. a lot of value in. And I think it's when we talk to folks like that and we hear what their concerns or their issues are, that's how we know what we have to do next, right? right? And right. it's... Uh, you know, where, what are the tools, what's the data, what's the communication that we can do um, to make what we're doing better? And, yeah, it's a good question. It's, it's, it's spot on. It's spot yeah. on. I mean, how do we do it? Um, and I, I'll go back to, again, we need to do it together, right? Yeah. It just happened together. Everybody that has any interest in, in metals and automobiles and, you know, whatever it might be, we just need to come together and, and make the story. And that goes back to the the bigger mining companies as well that, you know, try to have always tried to keep such a low profile. Let's, let's, let's talk, let's do it together. Yeah. I, I think we can, we can cheers to that. We can uh, tell them to pick up a phone and give us a call or shoot us a LinkedIn, right? <laughs> right. So, man, we're here. We want to tell the story and help you. So let's do it together. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Chris. I think that's a great point to, to end on and really appreciate you coming on the rocks and encourage everybody to go check out mineralocity um and uh yeah we'll look forward to hear more about what you guys are up to well thanks for having me and i look forward to catching up with you again in some country somewhere (laughs) (laughs) that's right all right Um, thanks really appreciate it